Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, it is an awesome day to be in the house. I just love hearing from those who have recently met the Lord. And Matt, we just are so proud to be your pastors. And, you know, it's just incredible to watch your journey and where you are today and um, who God's brought you really to, the man that God's brought you to be. And, you know, it's we are so excited to see where God takes you from here as well and the, the future, the things that he has for you. And I actually um, have a word from the Lord for you. So if you actually would love to minister to you, if you come forward for me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just pray for Matt right now. Lord, we lift him up to you, God. We thank you, Father, Lord, for who he is, God, and where you've brought him to be, Lord. And Matt, I just see that God, I see like a... Um, like a, a rag, like a wrung out rag. And this is how, um, like your life was before Jesus. And as you've, uh, the, the living waters come and filled you, it's like you've puffed out to be this incredible sponge that can absorb. And um, where before it was like the, even in the happy times of life, there was not a full fulfillment um, in who you were. I see that, that as God has come, he's transformed you as he's taken from um, you, even the calloused heart that was, and he's replaced his heart and his love. There's this fulfillment and completeness in God and who you were meant to be. And isn't even as you said this morning, I'm becoming the man that I was meant to be. I see God saying, yes, Matt, I have such an incredible um, treasure stored up for you and destiny stored up for you. Don't ever doubt this, the small beginnings and the start of, the, of, um, of where I've brought you to because, you know, sometimes we can get so... Um, so impatient sometimes with God's timing, but God says, mate, you've got to allow me to do the work deep within you. I'm making the foundation strong. As, as I'm shoring up the foundation, then I can start to build from level to level, from um, even from glory to glory within your life. So don't despise the small beginnings and let me do my work within you, even in the depth of your heart and your spirit and transform my, let my transform, transformational power be alive within you. And now I even see, um, even the, um, the, the picture that I got at the prayer meeting on Wednesday night, where it was this octopus that was in this house and there was these tentacles coming out from the house. I see um, one particular tentacle that is going to be, um, that it's just your heart and your thing and, and your love. And I see you heading that up. And um, I'm not sure, the Lord hasn't shown me what it is, but I just see that um, there's, a, there's desires that God has put within you, fresh new desires that God's put within you that is going to cause great effect in the community and that you have such a heart to see people where you were come to know the Lord and t- come to know the fullness of Christ. And so as you keep walking out your, um, your life with Him, I just see there's going to be something in your heart that God's going to put his finger on. It's going to cause great um, revival within the community. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for for Matt. God, we thank you, Jesus. We even um, call forth the gifts, the talents that you've placed within him, Father, this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in his life, Jesus. Lord, for the light that he is, Father. And we thank you, Father, that you'll continue being that lighthouse, Father. Lord, drawing him, Father, to your way, to your will, Father. As he obeys the word, Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're building an incredible destiny in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So this morning, I'm speaking on peace and the power of peace. 
And what I love is that when we come to find the Lord, and even in my walk with God, and seeing people, because, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I was brought up um, by parents who um, come, come to found, came to find the Lord um, when they were in their 20s. And so um, I had the privilege of knowing the Lord from a young age. Um, but being in the house of God and seeing those coming to, the, to Christ, um, one thing that always... Um, always touched me was once they'd been saved, it's the, the, the pastor or the preacher would say, how do you feel? You know, the very first time they met the Lord. And sometimes they'd say, you know, I feel really light or I feel this or that. But a lot of the time they'd say, yeah, I just feel at peace. I feel at peace. And, you know, that's um, what I love about God's peace is that it's a completeness, a wholeness within us. And, you know, if you have turned your TV on in the last two weeks, you wouldn't have been able to escape the fact that there's so much on the TV at the moment about war and peace and terrorists and refugees and there's so much going on in our world right now. But even historically, men has always had this struggle with peace, trying to attain peace. And in the center of um, Hiroshima in Japan, the twisted ruins of the formal ex former exhibition hall still remain as a tribute or, or memorial to those that lost their life in the horror of the atomic bomb. And outside that memorial, there's a sign that reads, Peace. P-E-A-C-E, -E, Peace. Even all over the news at the moment, we see this sign, peace sign, with the Eiffel Tower in the centre. Have you seen that? It's like man has always had this struggle to attain peace. And the truth is that man has long desired peace, but have found it to be elusive. Because we don't know how to achieve peace or to attain peace on our own. Why? Because true, complete peace is only found in God. It's a gift from God, our Savior. In John 14 verse 27, it says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I love that. I'm leaving you a gift of peace, peace of mind and heart. The world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. The world that we live in can't teach us how to get peace, divine peace, because it doesn't have access to it. You know, we can do all the things that we want to do that the world says gives you peace. We can chant, we can do yoga, we can attend retreats, we can pop pills, listen to meditation music, consume herbs, burn, ar burn aromatic candles, or we can shop till we drop, but we will never find that inward tranquility that the Lord gives. The world can't give it and the world can't take it away. And you can't find it for yourself. You know, all of those self-help gurus that say, just look within, find the peace within. <laughs> you will never find peace within because we don't have peace on our own, of our own accord. It's given, it's a gift that God gives to us. And the Hebrew word peace not only means the absence of trouble, but peace actually means everything which makes for a man's highest good. Isn't that cool? You know, sometimes we think of peace as just being the absence of war. But the Bible actually says the Hebrew word peace means everything that makes for a man's highest good. You know, in the Old Testament, peace indicated material prosperity or physical safety. But for us, our New Testament church, peace actually means far more. It means spiritual well-being, completeness, and stability of mind. 
Therefore, this actually means that the heartfelt peace is not merely an absence of restraint from conflict, but the enjoyment of all good, a positive, proactive, heartfelt peace of yielding to God. You know, when you look at the word peace, the English word peace can actually conjure up sometimes a passive picture. You know, one that shows absence of disturbance or hostility or a person that's free from internal or external stresses. Or sometimes we think, when we think peace, we think of a free-loving hippie from the 60s, don't we? But the biblical concept of peace is much larger than that. The Hebrew word for peace is actually, actually shalom, which is derived from the root S-L-M or shin lamed mem. If you know Hebrew here, please forgive my pronunciation. But it means, basically means to be complete or to be sound. The verb conveys both a dynamic and a static meaning to be complete or whole or to live well. The noun has many shades but can be grouped into four categories. This is the word shalom. As wholeness of life or body, which is health. As right relationship or harmony between two parties or people, often established by a covenant. As prosperity, success or fulfillment. Or as victory over one's enemies or absence of war. So we start to see this rounding out of this word shalom, that it's not just the absence of war or disturbance, but it's so much more. It was used in greetings and farewells. It was meant to act as a blessing onto the one that whom it was spoken. May your life be filled with health, prosperity, and victory, as an adjective expressed completeness and safety. And even in Israel today, they, the way that they greet each other is mar shalom ek or mar shalom cha which that phrase literally means, how is your peace? On street terms, it would be like, how are you? But in Israel, they say, how's your peace? Isn't that true, though, that our inner man, how we truly are, is dependent on our inner peace? So come on, let's further expound on what God says peace is. Peace is an anchor. The incredible thing about God's peace is that you can be in the midst of tribulation, in the crazy whirlwind of life, and you can rely on God's peace within you to act as an anchor, to stabilize you and to keep you on track, to still be able to enjoy life in those moments. You know, I think God was testing the word within me this week because, you know, we had one of those crazy whirlwind weeks where Brad was away working, Zara was ill with gastro, vomiting up all over Holly, all over me. We had our fair share of vomit this week. Um, you know, we had my, one, of, one of the members of my family is in hospital at the moment. We had construction starting at church on top of what we normally do week to week, you know, running a household, running a business. So it was a bit of a whirlwind crazy week. And I think God was just saying, Sarah, how much do you really believe in the word that you're preaching this Sunday? And so I can't tell you that I've been perfect this whole week relying on God and his peace and strength, but I have, there has definitely been moments where there's been the craziness of what's going on and the Holy Spirit's just pressed to my heart and said, come on, Sarah, come on, look up, lift, lift your eyes. Don't stay stuck in your circumstances. Come on, rely on me, rely on my peace. And Joyce Myers says it this way, we don't have to work at trying to get rid of every stressful situation. We need to learn how to embrace peace. See, sometimes, she says, sometimes we're always trying to get rid of everything that bothers us. But the Bible says that in the world there will be tribulation. That's why Jesus said, cheer up, I have overcome the world. Come on, we're never going to escape the realities of this world. 
you know, we could go to the middle of nowhere and we'd still find stresses of whatever it is, getting food or, you know, we'd just cause, we'd create stuff in ourselves. We're never going to get away from the realities of life and, and of external stresses. But what Jesus said, and that's what Jesus even said to us, he said, you will have tribulation in this world, but cheer up. Come on, let that word be, be a word to you this morning. Cheer up. God has overcome the world, and as he's overcome, he's caused us to overcome. So as Christians, we don't have to buy into the fear or hysteria of what's going on. You know, I think that's something that's going to set us apart, even in these times that we're living in at the moment, where there is so much fear and there's so, so much, um, people are unsure of the future and they're unsure of the world that, that we're living in. But something that I feel is going to really set us apart is that even with everything going on in our world, we can have an anchor of peace because we know the times and the season that we're living in. And we know that through every season, God says that he gives us peace and his peace can anchor us. You know, Brad and I saw a movie just recently called The Bridge of Spies. Has anyone seen that with Tom Hanks? It's a good movie. It's actually um, based on a true story of a guy called Rudolf Abel, who was a um, Russian spy that was caught in America. And he was put on trial. And Tom Hanks was a lawyer who was representing him in court. And um, anyway, there's one scene in the movie. I won't give it away. But there's one scene in the movie where his Rudolf Abel is facing the death sentence. And Tom Hanks kind of looks over to him quite puzzled and says... You don't look worried. Why don't you look worried? And Rudolph replies to him, would it help? <laughs> it happens a few times through the movie. He says, would it help? Would it help for me to look worried? But that's, that's how we should be living. It's like in Luke twelve twenty five, it says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Worrying can actually work the opposite way. It can detract hours from our life. You know, many of the major sicknesses and disease that we face today, they can link it back to stress, anxiety, worry. So by worrying, we're not only not adding hours to our life, but we're detracting hours from our life. You know, God created us and sent his son Jesus to die for us to enable us to live in peace, completeness, wholeness and victory not in the absence of tribulation, but in relationship with him who's overcome. Amen? So let's have a look at a few, thing that the, a few things that the Bible says peace is. Peace protects is the first one. Peace protects. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's when I was speaking out this week. I'm <coughs> just gone. Lord, let your peace that transcends my understanding steal my heart and my mind. You know, peace acts as a fortress or a soldier on guard to protect our heart and our mind. I sometimes like to think of it as peace is like the bouncer in our mind. You know, he keeps the rubbish out. It won't allow anxiety, despondency and fear to creep in. The peace that comes from the Lord can banish all worry and distress from our hearts and our minds. And the awesome thing is that it can keep it away. That's what peace does. It protects because God is stronger than that worry or fear of the flesh. Just as God is greater than our situations and circumstances, so is God's peace greater than our inward fears and worries. 
So let's be livers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Come on, let's be doers of the word. Let's be ones, even this week, when you come into times of stress or craziness or tribulation, speak out the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me peace that transcends my understanding. I may not understand the situation that I'm in right now, but Father, your peace transcends that and it stills my heart and my mind. Another thing that the word of God says peace is, is that it promotes unity. Peace promotes unity. In Colossians 3, verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. I love how the message reads, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with one another, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. I love how straight sometimes the message is. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Come on. Keep in tune with each other. Keep in step with each other. That's what peace does. It promotes unity. We were called to peace, church. The Word of God says we were called to peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. It says in Ephesians 4.3, it says make every effort to keep unity of the spirit. How? Through the bond of peace. That's how we keep unity. So if we actually value unity in this church, which we do, We must be walking in God's peace. Peace is kind of like the glue that bonds us to each other or the gap filler. You know, I have learned a lot about gap filler since we started our renovations. I was the lackey that ran to it back and from Bunnings while the guys were working here during the week a couple of months ago. And um, Peter sent me out one day and he said, oh, we just need a bit of gap filler to fill around those windows that we, we filled in. I was like, all right, that sounds simple enough. So I get to Bunnings, I get to the gap filler aisle. Who knows how many gap fillers there are in the Bunnings gap filler aisle? There's a lot, Craig, isn't there? <laughs> and they're all different, different brands, different prices. Some are on their own. Some are for the, you know, the guns that spit it out. There's some that are for different materials. And so I'm standing in this Bunnings aisle looking at these gap fillers. And I'm sure the rep there is thinking, I've been there for about 10 minutes. He's thinking, come on, just choose one. It's just gap filler. (laughs) But I've learned a lot about gap filler. But you know what? That's kind of like what peace can be in the church because we're all different. Sometimes we don't agree. Sometimes we think differently. But that gap between who we are, peace is like the gap filler that bridges that gap between us so that we can keep unity in the peace that God's given us. And as we're talking about unity as well, let me just tell you that the number one thing that will disrupt unity and will actually counteract peace in your life is offense. Because offense feeds unforgiveness, offense deceives, and offense divides. Come on, we need to learn as a church how to become inoffendable, as people to come, how to become inoffendable. I think sometimes we're so, um, we're so easy to take offense at things, you know, Next week, if you come to church and somebody's sitting in your chair in church and you think, do they know that's my chair? Are they trying to send me a signal? Are they trying to send me a message? Are they trying to take me, take over? We're going, don't get your knickers in a knot. Just let go and let peace flow. I think that should be our new motto. Let go and let peace flow. I can... I can assure you that each and every day there will be something in your world that you could take offense to. But let's be people that are not petty, that don't sweat the small stuff and let peace flow. 
you know, something that is incredible is that when we give each other grace, that actually counteracts offence. Let's be a church that gives one another grace and that we don't let offence create a roadblock to unity. Amen? Psalm 34, 14 says, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. God actually says to us, seek peace, pursue peace. So how do we pursue peace? Well, let's look at a few ways in his word that God says we can pursue peace. The first is to commit to training our minds to be set on the Lord. Let me say that again. Commit to, be tr- to training our minds to be set on the Lord. We sometimes have this bent in us, which is our um, fallen nature, that we let our minds be set on other things rather than on the Lord. We let our minds be set on situations, on um, cares of the world, on offenses, on our own desires. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with having your own desires. It's actually a good thing to have desires, but they've got to be submitted under God's will and submitted to Him. But we need our minds to be set on Jesus. It says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. He leans on you and he hopes confidently in you. God promises us to keep us in perfect and constant peace if we keep our mind on him. Isn't that a great promise? That you can be kept in perfect and constant peace All you have to do is keep your mind on God. That word stayed means to remain, to reside, or to linger. Come on, what have we been letting our thoughts remain on? What have we been letting them reside in or to linger on? Has it been on God or has it been on other things, worldly things, those things that sometimes come and try to distract us? The Lord says he promises us constant peace if we reside, if we remain, if we linger with our mind on him. You know, perfect peace in the Hebrew is actually the word shalom, shalom, which is a Hebrew method of of putting great emphasis on a word. You will keep him in everything the word shalom implies, health, happiness, well-being, peace, those whose minds are stayed on the Lord. So how do we train our minds to be set on God? How do we practically do that or walk that out? You know, something that um, Pastor Brad shared back at Paddington when he was doing a a series on thought life was that our thoughts are like like trains in our mind. And the more you think on a thought, the more that it's entrenched, it starts to entrench in that track in your mind. And so if you let thoughts, the same thought, run round and around and around and around in your mind, then it's like that train track gets really entrenched. That thought process gets really entrenched and you start to believe it. If you want to change that, then you have to replace it with another thought consciously. And in the beginning, sometimes that's really tough because the the track is so entrenched. But as you continue to replace that thought, continue to replace that thought, continue to replace that thought, then all of a sudden the tide starts to turn and that track becomes stronger and starts to become more entrenched until that's your default. So that when you get bad news or when different things pop up, you don't automatically go to the negative, that negative place. But you go to a place that says, Lord, you're in control. I trust in you, Father. Come on, let's start trying to take control. You know, the mind, you know, Brad loves preaching about this because it's part of what he does as well. But, you know, the mind is a such incredible um, 
it's like a, it's a battlefield sometimes and we have to take control of our thought life. We have to be able to, um, take, to take, even the Word of God says, take captive every thought. Take captive. Come on, that's not passive. That's aggressive to take something captive. So with our thought life, come on, let's start take cap- to take captive each and every thought. Even if it starts, to, you know, in the, in the beginning, it's tough. I can um, promise you that if you keep on... Um, keep on thinking on it, keep on thinking on the word, keep on speaking out the word, then that's going to become your default. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I've heard it said, where the mind goes, the man follows. That's good, yeah? Where the mind goes, the man follows. Where is your mind going? Where are you letting your mind go? It's so important for us to understand that because if we don't learn how to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, we won't live the life Jesus died to give us, a life of peace with God, peace with ourselves, great relationships, real joy, and the ability to become all God's created us to be. Come on, it comes down to choosing to believe what God says, the truth, more than what we believe our feelings, what other people say or circumstances. Come on, let me say that again. It it comes down to choosing to believe what God says about me, what God says about my situation, the truth, more than what we believe our own feelings or what other people say are our circumstances. It says in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things. Come on, let's commit to do that. Set our minds on what's above, on what's higher. The second key to pursuing peace is to pray. Pray. Prayer is key to peace. Who was here at the last prayer meeting? We had such a powerful time here, and I can't wait for this Wednesday night as well. But um, this is something that God has really put on both Pastor Brad and my heart for our church, is that it's a, um, it's a time to really rev up our prayer life, corporately and personally. Prayer is key to peace. Prayer is not twisting God's arm to give us what we want. Rather, it's aligning our will with His will. It's relinquishing control and trusting God. Because sometimes that's, hard for, that's harder for some of us than it is for others to relinquish control to God. All those control freaks in the room. <laughs> but that's what prayer is. It's not twisting God's arm to give us what we want. But prayer is aligning our will with His, relinquishing control and trusting God. Hezekiah prayed in Isaiah 37, 14 to 20. And just to give you a little bit of background, um, the king of Assyria had declared war on Hezekiah and his people and was taunting Hezekiah and trying to instill fear into the people, declaring how he destroyed countries and kingdoms and that Hezekiah's God couldn't save him or his people. And so Hezekiah receives a letter from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God of, over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words San Cherubim, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to all these people and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hands so that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. That's such an awesome awesome prayer and an awesome response from King Hezekiah that in that time where he was being pressed on every side where the king of Assyria was taunting him and um, you know 
um, the thing that is probably truth and a reality is that Hezekiah and his armies probably couldn't um, defeat as the king of Assyria because they were so strong and they had um, such an incredible army. But Hezekiah in that moment, he didn't go to a place of worry or concern. He didn't even go to the head of the armies and say, come on, let's get a strategy together on how we're going to defend and how we're going to fight. But he chose to run to the Lord in prayer. He said he went straight to the temple and he laid out the letter before the Lord. He said, God, open your eyes, listen to us, hear what's going on. They're taunting us. Lord, they're saying that you can't deliver us, but I know that you're the living God and I know that you can save and deliver deliver us. Come on, that's how we've got to be in prayer. We've got to be courageous. We've got to be those people that would go into God and say, Lord, you know, open your eyes. Look what's going on, Father. Hear my prayer, Lord. I know, God, Lord, that you are my deliverer. And Lord, I give trust and completely control in you, Father. Come on, we need to go to the Lord. We need to go to that war room in prayer rather than resorting to our own devices or trying to get different advice and counsel from one. Come on, go to God first, God first. And so in verse 36, it said, Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all dead bodies. So the king of Assyria broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and he stayed there. One day while he was worshipping in the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons killed him with the sword and they escaped to the land of Ararat and Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. Come on, God had retribution in the end. Hezekiah and his armies maybe couldn't have won the battle, but in reality, that's not, that wasn't his job. That wasn't Hezekiah's job. His job was to go to God in prayer, to give it to God, to either wait for a strategy or wait for God to um, come and to, sh- to show himself as God and as king. So in Philippians 4 verse 6, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guide your hearts and your mind in Christ. Prayer is key to that peace that transcends all understanding, guarding our heart and our mind. You know, I love how the message puts that. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I can say that from firsthand. It's wonderful what happens when God replaces worry and strife from in the center and replaces it with peace? You know, um, Brad and I, when we were in the early stages of pregnancy with Zara, um, I, I had some unusual bleeding, which is never good when you're pregnant. And so we went to um, the doctor and we're sitting in his office and he said, well, we have to treat this as a failed pregnancy, as a miscarriage. And so um, we left the doctor's office, of course, shaken. And he said, you need to go and get an ultrasound. And so on the way to the ultrasound in the car, um, you know, when you, when you first find out that you're pregnant, you're so excited and you celebrate that. And then to be faced with the, the possibility that that could be taken from you, you know, it's, it's a pretty hard knock to take. It's pretty heartbreaking. And so... Um, we got in the car and the first thing we did was we prayed to the Lord. We said, God, we know that you promised us a child. We know, Father, 
Lord, you know what's going on, Father. We don't understand it, but God, we just give this to you. And we pray. We just we prayed all the way to the, the ultrasound. We were able to contact my parents and we were able to pray with them. You know, by the time we got to um, the place we were having the ultrasound, I had such a peace in my heart. I knew that God was in control. And, you know, that's where that word says, when we bring our, pray, our prayer to the Lord, that he replaces worry with that, set, that sense of peace. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. That's exactly what happened that day. And so um, we went to the ultrasound and the um, practitioner there found a really strong, healthy heartbeat. And, you know, I, I understand that with some people, they don't get that outcome. You know, sometimes it's the opposite outcome. And, you know, if that had been the case for us, there would have been that time of grieving, that time of um, heartbreak naturally. But I can tell you that ultimately at the core of our being, we know that God is good and that God does good, and that he is faithful to his promises. And so even if that had been the outcome, come on, we know that sometimes we don't understand how God works. Sometimes we don't understand why we lose people, why we lose, um, why we lose children. But at the center of our being, we know that God is good, and God does good, and that he's faithful to his promises. And sometimes we need to let go of the things that we can't change and embrace God's peace. Come on, that's incredible. God's peace, displacing worry at the center of our lives, lifting our eyes to him. You know, something else that enables us to pursue peace is staying in right relationship with God. The psalmist really beautifully puts it like this. Righteousness and peace, kissing, kissing each other shows the relationship between righteousness and peace as kissing each other. That's in Psalm 85.10. And it's such a, a cool way of thinking of it because righteousness and peace are so closely linked together that they describe it as kissing one another. You know, the word righteousness means to be in right relationship with the Lord. Sometimes when we hear righteousness, we kind of think of perfection or um, trying to be something. But all righteousness means is being in right standing with God. And on the flip side, Scripture specifically states that there can be no peace for the wicked. Paul described the difference as follows. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good in Romans 2 verse 9. You know, being in right relationship with God simply means obeying his word. To be in right standing with God simply means obeying the word of God. In Isaiah 48, 18, it says, If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And in Psalm 119, 165, it says, Great peace has those, have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. You know, at the moment, we're teaching Zara obedience. She's at that age where she's really starting to push boundaries and throw tantrums. And, you know, it's as parents, you need to teach your children how to obey, how to be obedient. And sometimes I think, you know, there's been a few times actually this week where she's had some time out or a few kind of smacks on the bottom. And I think sometimes, Zara, your life would be so much easier if you just obey mummy. <laughs> But it's that human nature. And sometimes I think that's what God's saying from heaven. 
Sarah, your life would be so much easier if you just obeyed me. (laughs) And so obedience to God's word allows peace to flow in our heart and our lives. Being in right standing with God, sometimes when we're disobedient to his word, it causes a blockage from God's peace because when you're aligned with the word of God, there's a freedom that's there and there's a completeness and wholeness. But when we're disaligned, when we're not aligned properly, when there can be that blockage. So ensuring that we are in right standing with God and we're obedient to his word enables peace to flow in our hearts and our lives. So that was, um, let me just recap those few things. So the first was being committed to training our minds to be set on the Lord. The second was to pray. And the third was to be in right relationship with God. So just as we finish this morning, I'd like to ask you, Ma Shalom Cha, how is your peace? How is your peace? Can we stand this morning, church? Just as we finish, I love each and every one of you just to close your eyes. Just allow a blanket of God's peace here this morning just to cover you. Come on, let's really take a moment to think, how is my peace? Is it non-existent? Is it kind of there, but you're still letting the, the weight of the world and the worries come and to choke out the peace of God? Are you letting your mind run rampant with thoughts that are not godly? Have you been neglecting that place of prayer? Have you been in disobedience to God's word? Father, this morning, Lord, we're a people that want your peace, God. We're a people that need your peace, Father. And Lord, we thank you that you are such a good Father, that you give us the gift of peace, of perfect peace, of constant peace. Lord, this morning, just cover us, Father, with your beautiful peace, Lord. Father, as we deal with different things in our heart, Lord, that would keep us far from you or far from from embracing peace this morning, Lord, I thank you for each and every one. Lord, that they can live in perfect peace with you, God. Lord, I thank you even for those that feel like they're going through tribulation or through storms, Lord. Father, your word promises that even through those times, Father, that peace could be an anchor for us, God. We thank you, Lord, that your peace unifies us as one body. We pursue and we seek your peace, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way here this morning, Lord. Have your way this morning, Jesus.